0: everyone, welcome back to the Average Film Enjoyer podcast. Today we're back on the Kubrick train. Um, Today we're going to be talking about Kubrick and War. Um, Now there's multiple directions I can go with this, but I was going to talk about Full Metal Jacket primarily, um, but there's other Kubrick War movies. You also have Paths of Glory. Um Now, Paths of Glory is amazing. Uh and one more gets tacked onto the back of that train. I believe Fear and Desire. Um so here's the thing. For those of you that have even seen Fear and Desire, you know that it doesn't have much to do with war cuz that movie sucks. Um well, I mean, yeah, but we're just going to chunk it in cuz I didn't want to do a full episode on Kubrick's shorts. Um, because I don't have much to talk about with, I don't know, Day of the Fight and Seafarers and stuff. Um, Flying is the other one, I don't have much meat on that bone, so I'm just going to clump them in with another one. Now, another thing you might be wondering, where's Barry Lyndon? Barry Lyndon is a war film, right? Barry Lyndon is an anti-war film, by the way, but... It has something to do with war, right? No, Barry Lyndon's gonna go in its own thing. So, I, um, I'm gonna talk about Full Metal Jacket, Paths of Glory, and Fear and Desire. This is your, uh, standard, uh, spoiler warning, I guess. That's the word for it. So, um, I'm gonna start with Fear and Desire, right? Because Fear and Desire, I'm sorry, is not good. Really, at all. Uh, I gave Fear and Desire, though, a three-star rating. Because, first of all, it's better than the Mario movie. Um, But I believe there was something to appreciate about it. Uh, Now... Is it his best movie ever? Heck no. Um. So. We're gonna talk about it now. I gotta find my notes page on it. Okay, here we go. Now this movie was made on a shoestring. An absolute shoestring. Um. And you can tell. Men can you tell. Because it's all you can tell about this movie. (laughs) Um and it's very, very low budget, you can see that the set design is pretty poor, the, um, I mean, set design's, it's not much of it, uh, but you can tell that they really filmed with, like, someone's real house, they weren't doing this and crafting it for the movie, this was all very simple stuff, right, um, yeah, it's very, very simple. But there is still the Kubrick eeriness to it. And with the Kubrick eeriness comes the Kubrick stare. Um, this is, this movie has its own little Kubrick stare at some point involving a lady getting tied to a tree. I wish I could tell you what it looked like off the top of my head. But it does have one. Um, and it's a very, very vague... Kubrick stare um but there's a scene where a lady gets tied to a tree uh and this whole movie is on YouTube by the way I found out after renting it and I'm annoyed about it but yeah no one of their the kooky little fellows goes insane um and he does the thing where he has his head down he looks up and he smiles um he doesn't do it well because none of the acting in this movie is all that good Uh, but, yeah, he, uh, he tries it. So I guess Kubrick kind of knew what he wanted at this time. Um, but, uh, it does still have an eeriness to it that I respect. Because on a shoestring budget, it did have, like, a level of uncomfortableness. You know? Um, now, another thing I want to mention about your shoestring budget. I don't know if it was the fact that I tried to watch a version that was semi-restored. Parts of this movie have slight color aspects to them, but the rest of it's in black and white. Now, being that this movie came out in 1950-something. 53? Yeah. 1953. Uh, and, yeah, no, it's like kind of black and white but you can see a little bit of color peep through and it's like weird and kind of problematic looking because it ruins the immersiveness of the movie but that's besides the point right now i want to read you the description after their airplane crashes behind enemy lines four soldiers must survive and try to find a way back to their battalion however when they come across a local peasant girl the horrors of the war quickly become apparent if you asked me what the movie was about You could give me the remainder of my lifetime to guess. And that's the last thing I would have guessed. Oh, and it gets even worse. Their tagline, trapped, four desperate men. And you could get that out of the movie. And a strange half-animal girl. I want to preface that this girl is in the movie for, I don't know, ten minutes? Which I guess is a sixth of the movie. but it's still undeniably impossible to figure that out because the half animal doesn't come out anywhere um there's a lot of weird unfinished plot holes because i mean in an hour you're not getting a lot done the acting's kind of bizarre the guy who goes insane does insane barely the girl is some random girl that did, like, I don't know, five other movies, um, and there's a reason for it, and it's because she's not good, um, now, I'm being generous with the three-star rating, um, now, this movie's not amazing, but it's not horrific by any means, and it has the insanity factor that you look for in a Kubrick movie, Um, the accents aren't good, but you can get amusement out of that. Um, it doesn't have much to do with war. Um, but for what it does have to do with it, there are some cool scenes. The scene where the guy reaches the peak of his insanity and, like, runs away when they, like, kind of see him, I guess, uh, is an interesting scene, The end started to get a little weird. Now, the movie doesn't totally know what it is, but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Like I said, it's better than Mario. It's better than the Mario movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's definitely not the worst movie I've ever seen. And I guess it would be justifiable for me to have it at a 2, um... But I think that you can get some entertainment out of it. Because by no means is it the worst movie you're going to witness. You know? You're going to see movies that are worse. And when you get down to like the actual scale of it... It's not the worst thing. Ever. You know? So, do I recommend it? I mean... I'm not going to say I recommend it. I'm not going to say you should go run to watch it. But I'm not going to say go watch it. You know, I'm not going to say go watch it, but I'm also not going to say avoid it. That's what I'm trying to get out. I'm not able to form full sentences right now. I don't know what's going on. Um, So on that note, on that note, I think we got fear and desire out of the way. I didn't have much to say about it. As you can tell that I was starting to scramble over my own words. So, now I'm going to go to Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory is short, but unlike Fear and Desire, it has a plot. Um, Paths of Glory is significantly better than Fear and Desire. I have Paths of Glory at a 4.5, because, again, sorry it's not the best Kubrick, by any means. I'm sorry. This movie critiques war. This movie really critiques war. And it just, it it's not come and see in how it displays how horrible war is, but it's definitely one you will, like, watch and say, wow, war is horrible. So, Tagline, it explodes in the no man's land, no picture ever dared cross before. That tells you nothing about this movie. I'm sorry. Horrible tagline. But the plot. A commanding officer defends three scapegoats on a trial for a failed offensive for a Let me restart that. A commanding officer defends three scapegoats on trial for a failed offensive that occurred within the French army in 1916. If I'm not mistaken, it's the same battle as All Quiet on the Western Front. I could be wrong about that. I I thought I heard that somewhere, so take that with a grain of salt. But, um, Paths of Glory is about uh, this army. They're in the trenches, but their other guy, other guys are the other army is shooting and throw like bombing. And it's, like, a lot. So if they were to leave the trenches, they would be, boom, blown away in an instant, right? But then, since they don't really fire back, three random guys get pulled out and put on trial for cowardice. At that point, they could have just put the entire army on, but that would have been a pain in the butt. So they just pick three random guys and say, hey, you're gonna die for that. Um... And it's about the uh the general, I'll say, yeah, the general fighting for them. You know? And saying, There's nothing we could have done. They would have been killed the second they left. Like, ah oh, those cowards They should have left anyway. Yeah. Die for your country. Grr. Uh And it is a very impactful scene towards the end, you know. Um, because this whole movie's about fighting for them, and at the end, they just shoot them. Like, that's it. They give you no remorse, no happy ending. The cinematography's incredible for the time, uh... In fact, the whole movie's amazing for its time. You're talking 1957. Um... But, yeah, no, the movie's devastating. Because it makes you realize just how awful... Um... People can be. And how cruel war is. And Kubrick made this in like. His 20s. He made this when he was like 20 years old. Late 20s. Late 20s I'll say. Um, But no. The actual ending of the movie. um, These soldiers. Listen to this girl. Sing. Um, But. This young girl is being forced to sing in front of these guys. And it's demon like no, not demonstrating. My God. It's devastating. And it demonstrates like how these people have no remorse. Right? They'll do anything. They'll take advantage of anyone. Um So yeah, I guess this movie really does show how horrible war is in a really like brutal way you know kirk douglas is amazing in this movie playing colonel dax i believe his name was yeah that's it i think that's it now i give this movie a four and a half because it's not kubrick's best and it only gives itself 88 minutes To tell the story, which I think, with most Kubrick movies being, like, two and a half hours or more, I think Kubrick didn't know his full potential yet. Now, yeah, people will disagree with me on that, with Letterboxd having 40,000 five-star reviews, Uh, but I'm going to disagree with number 55 on the Letterboxd Top 250 Paths of Glory. Cause I mean it's good, but jeez. Fifty five. Cause if you look at the Lightbox Top two fifty, okay, I'm getting off track here, but I'm gonna keep going. Come and see is number one. Come and see is the definitive anti war film. Come and see is a masterpiece that'll get into another episode. What else do you have above? Um above it. Uh you have Parasite, which in my opinion is another four and a half. I don't get. All of the insane hype for Parasite, personally, but I guess that's me. Um, Godfather movies, obviously. Seven Samurai, I have not seen, but I guess having it up there makes sense, because it's Akira Kurosawa. Um, Dark Knight, Into the Spider first? <laughs> but we have Schindler's List at 19, right? Uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once at 27, Whiplash at 26, Um, Apocalypse Now at 41, Tango isn't that that, like, 8-hour movie? Yeah, 432-minute movie, Jesus. Satantango's not above it, but I just wanted to mention that. Paths of Glory, only 14 behind apocalypse now and one behind fellowship of the ring right having it above the thing above silence of the lambs um above uh barry linden and i know it's gonna sound film bro of me but above fight club and seven like it just seems ludicrous Above The Shining, for God's sake. Just something about it seems wrong. It's above Grand Budapest Hotel. It just seems like it's a good movie. But having it that high up just feels wrong. Now, people will disagree with me on that. There are people that absolutely adore this movie. Like, a review here by Maria says, can Letterboxd release the option to give six stars already? So clearly people disagree with me. Um, And it's definitely an incredible movie. I, I, I don't want to feel like I'm talking down on it now. But it's an amazing, amazing movie. And especially for 57. Like, this is like, I don't know, the Avengers Endgame of that time, right? Because this is absolutely insane. Everyone in 57 probably thought this was the most perfect movie in the world. Um, but it's just not that anymore, I guess I'll say. Uh, but if you disagree with me, you have the right to disagree with me on everything. So, like what you want to like, man. Movies are amazing for that. So, yeah, that's my take on Paths of Glory, and it's a hot take. I'm not going to deny that at all. Uh, but I'm trying to see, is there anything else I could mention? Cause there's more time we have to stretch. Uh, yeah, no, I think I hit every point that I wanted to. Yeah, like, oh, here's one more. What were they supposed to do? Like, I'd like to see that doofus that was like, oh, we're gonna charge him for cowardice. Be out there and run against the bullets. Like, come on, man. He wouldn't have done it. And he would have gotten mad if they charged him for cowardice. So, I guess, screw them all, you know? Society sucks. But now we gotta hit the big one, guys. We're gonna hit the big one. Um, ba ba bum Okay, we're hitting Full Metal Jacket now, guys. Um, First thing I want to mention, Vincent D'Onofrio in this movie, if I'm not mistaken, is the greatest Oscar snub of all time. 1988 Oscars... 1988 Oscars... Nominations. 1988 Oscars... Yeah. 60th Academy Awards. Few by category. Actor in a leading role. Vincent D'Onofrio was not even nominated. Supporting role. Well, he wouldn't be in the leading role. Supporting role. Yeah, no, nothing. Um, Oh, there are some good movies here, though. But I don't think it was nominated for anything. I don't think, I don't think Full Metal Jacket was nominated for anything. Not editing. Not foreign, it wouldn't be. Not music. Well, I mean, you got Dirty Dancing that year, right? So I guess that's taking music. Mannequin? Mannequin? But yeah, no, war movies usually get nominated for sound, it didn't. Full Metal Jacket was for screenplay. Is that it? Just for screenplay. That's a crying shame, man. Because it was amazing. Again, I have this one at a 4.5, but 4.5 is very high. Um, It's not Kubrick's best, again, but I have more to say about this one than I did about Paths of Glory and Fear and Desire. So we're going to start here uh, by having the colonel, all right? R. Lee Ermey is our... uh. Sergeant, right, and he's the drill instructor, and he was a real drill instructor, who was hired to be, like, a AT guy on set, and they said, hey, will you do this, and he said, yeah, sure. Now, Vincent D'Onofrio in this movie is absolutely incredible, beginning to end, an absolute blow-away performance, what he does, but... Lee, um delivers some really funny lines. Uh but one I want to touch on here um is one that would get him really canceled today. Um this one Black Soldier and he said and he says like, "Hey, will we be getting fat or something along those lines?" Um and Lee says, "We don't have uh fried chicken and watermelon." Um That's really disgusting. Um, now I get that it was a different time, but still, man, that's like, mm. so yeah, no, I hereby cancel, uh, Sergeant Hartman. That's my cancel sound effect. Oh, sorry if I just broke your eardrums with that one. So yeah, no, he's canceled. Um. More lines here. Modern art masterpiece line. Uh <clears throat> You're so ugly, you could be a modern art masterpiece. That one's quotable. That one's quotable. Um. But Vincent D'Onofrio plays Private Pile. Uh, and I think his name is Lawrence. It's, it's. Someone's name is Lawrence. He says, Lawrence? Of what? Of Arabia? S tier line. <laughs> um. One more thing I want to touch on here. Filming this movie must have been more like boot camp than they display. Like Kubrick doing a war movie? God knows how much of a nightmare that was to film. Um, Cinematography is incredible. Um, All the background characters are working. Which is a nightmare to film, I imagine. Because... Not only are you paying attention to making sure that the people on, like, focus are doing what they have to be doing, the guys in the back have to be doing, like, stuff correctly. Do you know how hard that is? To get everyone to do the right thing the whole time? Plus, Kubrick wants to do many, many takes. Right? He holds the world record for the most takes for one scene he probably pushed them to their limits. This one scene involving a war face, I don't remember the exact placement of it, but that scene was really funny, and they have to do a war face, and they're, like, screaming. Um, I don't know. That just stuck out to me. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is incredible. I just want to touch that again, because he's amazing. So is Matthew Modine, is that how you pronounce it? Matthew Modine. Mr. Modine. Matthew. Matthew. Uh he's really, really good. Uh now I really liked that D'Onofrio got the Kubrick stare. Um, because I think of everyone in this on the um cast of this movie, he was probably the best actor, if I'm gonna be honest with you, in my opinion. Um he was amazing the whole way through and his Kubrick Stare moment um seven six two millimeter full metal jacket. Um and then he shoots uh then he shoots Hartman and then shoots himself in the head. Yeah. Uh but him getting that Kubrick stare brings me so much joy. Because he was so good, and he did it so well. And yes, that scene was haunting as anything. But it was so well done. It was so well executed. And I think the way he did it was amazing. Um... But then, after that... And I'll, I'll touch... I'll go, I'm will go. i gonna rewind a little bit. The reason that he goes insane is because uh, Hartman's torturing him, you know? Like, he's being really intense on him. Um... And if you didn't know private pile has a bit of a mental disorder, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, uh yeah, so he, him being like pushed is really really hard on him um and then just to add insult to injury, then all of the soldiers like wake are uh, wake up in the middle of the night uh put bars of soap in there, uh pillowcase, um, and then they walk over, and they beat him up with it, and they, like, hold him down, and he's crying, and it's a really, really devastating scene to watch, you know, it's really hard to watch, it's really sad, um, and I'm not gonna be the idiot that lies, I cried in that scene, sue me, um, but then, it, I mean, it really does show how, and as is stated in the description of the movie, how dehumanizing war is, and the Vietnam War especially. Um, so they beat up Pyle, then he goes insane, sitting in the bathroom taking a poo, and then he shoots Hartman and himself. Um, and then Joker is absolutely, like, horrified by it, um... As he reasonably would be in real life. And he looks horrified, but there's also a layer of guilt in that face that he does. Because he's like, oh my god, I participated in beating him up. I'm a reason for this. Uh, And I have endless respect for Matthew Modian for how many layers are in that face that he shows. Cause in one expression he really does show it all to you, and it's incredibly impressive. So, hats off to him for that. Uh, but then it cuts to them in Vietnam, and they're sitting at a table, and a uh uh, mm, I can't say that can't eh. A prostitute walks over. There we go. A prostitute walks over. Um, and they're sitting at the table, and this Vietnamese prostitute walks over. Miss Ahani, uh. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh and she goes on for a minute but that scene's incredibly iconic so I couldn't not mention it. Yeah, I do anything and like anything anything. Uh, and I don't want to get like in trouble for doing the accent so I'm going to stop now. Uh and they ca- refer to the Viet Cong as Charlie. I don't know. Just something they did in the movie that I thought I'd write down. Uh, and every shot in this movie is incredibly busy. Like, every scene and every, like, frame of the movie has so much going on. And it's one of the things I love about Kubrick, because if he wants something, he'll get it done. Um, and he wanted this movie to be fully layered. And he did it masterfully. Um... Now, I wrote down in my notes, because I write notes while I'm watching the movies, and I wrote down, I just don't want Joker to die. Because uh, at certain points, it seemed like, oh no, they're going to kill him, aren't they? And they didn't, and I'm really happy about that. Um, But yeah, no, the movie was devastating. Uh, but... At some point, they're, like, in a camp all together, right? And then they lift up, like, a blanket. And there's just a dead Vietnamese guy laying there. Um, I don't know the actor. Oh, my God, is that him? Hold on a second, hold on. Dead Vietnamese guy. Full metal jacket. If I found the actor, I'm gonna praise him for a minute. Dukhuta. I am so gonna butcher that name. D-U-C space H-U space T-A. (laughs) Dukhuta. Yeah. He plays dead N-V-A. Man looked dead. That guy looked so dead in that shot. It was so impressive. Because he looked incredibly dead. Like, he looked very, very dead. Um, so yeah, no. Respect to him for that. The set design on this movie is amazing. Because at this time they didn't really have CGI at all. It wasn't a thing that they were going to mess around with. Um and they had like fires going all over the place. Uh and no matter whether it was con whether it was controlled fire or fake fire, it looked incredible. Um so yeah, praise for that. It just the movie was beautifully made. Um, this scene where they do like a documentary esque interview scene. Um And it was really I I remember it being really funny. I don't know it off the top of my head. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I think I could do this. I think I could do this. Hold on. You're wet. Wait, 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 wait. I want to see if I'm able to get. Here we go. Let's roll. Let's roll this. Okay. Uh, you guys are gonna listen to the interview scene now. Uh, here we go. You ready? Turn over. Place of the interviews. Roll thirty four. Well, like like you see, you know, it's a major city, so we have to assault with uh, tanks. We roll in roll in the streets, so uh, they send us in first, the squad, make sure that there are no, uh, no little uh, no Vietnamese waiting with the B-40 rockets to blow the tanks away. So we clear it out and we roll the tanks in, basically blow the place to hell. When we're in Hue, when we're in Hue City, it's like a war, you know? Like what? What? What I thought? What I thought about a war? What I thought a war was supposed, you know, was supposed to be. Uh, there's the enemy. Kill them. Well, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, we're the best. I mean, all that bullshit about the Air Cav. When the shit really hits the fan, who do they call? They call Mother Green and her killing machine. Do I think America belongs in Vietnam? Uh, I don't know. I belong in Vietnam. I'll tell you that. Can I quote LBJ? I will not send American boys eight or ten thousand miles around the world to do a job that Asian boys ought to be doing for themselves. I <laughs> personally think uh, they don't really want to be involved in this war, you know. I mean, like they t- it's sort of like they took away our freedom and gave it to the to the gookers, you know, if they don't want it. They'd rather be alive than free, I guess. You know. Poor dumb bastards. <laughs> well, the ones I'm, I'm fighting at are some pretty, pretty bad boys. I'm not real, uh, I'm not real keen on some of these fellows that are supposedly on our side. I keep meeting them coming the other way. Yeah. I mean, we're getting killed for these people, and they don't even appreciate it. They think it's a big joke. Well, if you ask me, uh, we're shooting the wrong gooks. Well, it depends on the situation. I mean, I'm I'm here to take combat photos. But if the shit gets too thick, I mean, I'll go to the rifle. What do I think about America's involvement in the war? Well, I think we should win. I hate Vietnam. There's not one horse in this whole country. They don't have one horse in Vietnam. There's something basically wrong with that. (laughs) Well, if they'd send us more guys maybe and bomb and bomb the hell out of the north they might uh, they might give up. I wanted to see exotic Vietnam, the jewel of southeast asia i uh I wanted to meet interesting and stimulating people of an ancient culture and kill them. I wanted to be the first kid on my block to get a confirmed kill there you go there's some there there's some comedy lines, comedic lines in the movie. Oh, did my microphone just cut out? I think it did. So yeah no, there's some comedic lines in the movie. Um and there's something you gotta appreciate about that. The writing is amazing. Um but there's one scene with uh where they're throwing smoke and they keep shooting this guy and it's a really, really hard scene to watch But now I'm going to get to uh, one of the final shots of the movie, where they get in and they find the person that kept shooting their guy that shot him like, I don't know, five, six times. Um, And they go in and they find her, because it's a her, it's this short um, Vietnamese woman. And then they like beat her up and put her on the floor without killing her. Um, And then they start having like a conversation about like what they're going to do in that situation. But in the back of that conversation, you can just hear, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. And that voice is really, really difficult to listen to because it's really devastating. And I get that they weren't. Uh, What they were doing was not right at all. What no one was doing was right. Us going in there and killing everyone wasn't right, but them killing us wasn't right. So regardless of the situation, it's bad, bad. There was no reason for the Vietnam War, but there's no reason for any war. War is a irrelevant thing. We're stupid. But her squirming around on the floor saying, shoot me, was really messed up. It's down the same vein of. In come and see. There's a scene where the girl walks. Um, where uh, Glasha Walks over to Fleora, uh, And she has like. <laughs> pipes in her mouth. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Uh, And she walks over. With like. Death in her eyes. And it drops out of her mouth. And she's just standing there. Like, absolutely traumatized by what had happened to her. And it's a very similar feeling of just, this is so disturbing, I want to throw up. Um, but God, is it effective? So, I'm gonna praise... uh, Here's my... Here's what I say. Fear and desire I do not recommend unless you're trying 100% Kubrick's filmography. Um... Paths of Glory, I recommend, because you might find it to be the best Kubrick. Um, But above Paths of Glory, I recommend Full Metal Jacket. Sitting at a 93 out of 100, at a a 4.5 stars, I say that Full Metal Jacket is, frankly, almost perfect. Uh, And it's really, really amazing. It's really, really amazing. Not five stars almost perfect, four and a half almost five star perfect. I think it is really, really great, and I recommend it endlessly. So, what's the point here? Kubrick makes amazing movies. Nothing new to anyone. Um, Fear and Desire is almost laughably bad. That You can kind of get a kick out of it. Uh, Paths of Glory is... Really devastating, but very raw and truthful. And Full Metal Jacket is devastating with a layer of comedy, but it is probably my favorite of the group. Uh.